Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think. And you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today, we're asking the question, is the stock market broken? the stock market broken makes me think of uh, like if you've always gone to a certain candy machine so our kids when we go to visit uh, Kate's folks uh, the in-laws they've got this M&M's machine and uh, at their house yeah like an old-timey like gumball machine that they've stuck peanut M&M's in with a little jar of quarters or coins to the side of it uh-huh. and it makes me think that if we went to visit them and the girls stuck a coin in there to get some of those peanut M&M's and it didn't work they would say hey this thing's broken it's busted <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting the treats I'm not getting the candy like I used to and I think that's how a lot of folks have been approaching the stock market they've, mm. they've sort of seen it as this ultra savings account that just only goes up in value where they've only seen their balances grow over time. And that's why we're asking this question today, because I think there might be some folks wondering, have things changed? Is it, is it going to be different this time? Uh, and they want to know what they should be doing 
That's why we're talking about investing. Yeah. And talking about the stock market. Recent returns have not, not been so good if you are largely exposed to the stock market. And future predictions aren't so great either. So we're going to kind of kind of talk about the stock market from both of those perspectives today on the show. Before we get to that, Matt, I want to mention we, we got feedback from a listener, Amanda, who is participating in the How to Money Sell Your Stuff Challenge, which by the way, just to update you, I sold three things uh, th- th- this past Look weekend. Look at you. So, you got after it. You that's felt, right. You felt, were you shamed? Turn on the Jets. <laughs> you shouldn't feel shame. No, I wasn't. But it really, I, it it lit a fire into me because it was yeah. something that I'd put on the back burner. That's why we talk about this it, kind of stuff. We yes. talk about money because we want you focusing on your money. I got challenged. We're talking about the challenge because we want you to be made challenged. myself more than a hundred bucks on those three items, nice. which is great. And it just felt good to to clear some things out that I've been meaning to clear out that I've been meaning to sell. And you know what? Seeing people like happy <laughs> to buy that electronic gizmo or gadget for pennies on the dollar from which you buy it brand nice. new. Makes me happy too. What'd you sell? What uh, was the electronic device? So we had an old iPad, like an iPad generation two, okay. that had nice. just gotten really slow. But some people really want those Somebody still. Somebody is going to be able to put that thing we, to use. We had a Chromebook that we were using for virtual school. I don't care about a Chromebook. Chromebooks are not great. Uh, they're kind of <laughs> slow too. But it was one of those things where we had bought it during, you know, on sale or something to, to help facilitate virtual school during the pandemic. And now we're not using it anymore. We and got it from the school. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We stole it from. <laughs> had to scratch out this code that was uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> engraved on the top. No, we actually but, got it ourselves. Yeah, so. well, something worth mentioning too, Amanda mentioned going to consignment stores to yes. sell some of her stuff as well. that was a great and, tip. And that was really cool to mention because personally, I don't know what con- consignment stores are. <laughs> like, I mean, I know what they are. I just haven't participated in them myself. Yeah. I know that you can leave things there at the store. They take a cut when it comes time to sell because they've got the storefront, all that kind of thing. I don't know. In my mind, it's like this old school term. It's like, if you go to consignment shops, I bet you also buy stuff on layaway. Like, like it's a part <laughs> of this, the same sort of generate generational. I don't know. I think shift of, in my mind. I think of consignment stores as people who are more, more modern antique enthusiasts or something okay. like vintage people. That's true. And sometimes yeah. those consignment stores are actually perfect for some of those items where you're like, I think this is worth something, but I don't know how to go about selling it. I don't know how to find the right buyer who's going to pay the amount that this thing is worth. And so Amanda mentioned consignment shops for for some of those things. I think she's got a good point because. Let's say I've got a mid-century antique, and I just post it on Facebook yard sale myself. Like I did. For Facebook Marketplace, I guess, right? Uh, the Chances are I am not going to get top dollar. But, but let's say somebody else with a mid-century following on Instagram of 10,000 people, uh, they, they might be able to take that same piece and sell it for twice as much as I could because those the buyers that want that kind of stuff are specifically looking at this person's page consistently. They that's know true. they have good stuff. And so that's kind of how I think of consignment stores. I think it can help you find the right buyer if you have an item that's of particular um, specific niche value. That's, that's true. So I will sell you that bedroom set for a little under $2,000 and you can take it to the consignment shop and oh, okay. maybe earn a little Maybe get four grand for you it. Want, you want to do it? No, I'll give you eight hundred for it, and then I will go take the consignment. I'd probably sell it to you for eight hundred. Okay, all right. Let me know. Honestly, I, th- I think it might end up around like in the eight hundred to eleven hundred range. Personally, well, there's but we'll see. That's one of the be- beautiful things I think about. American capitalism is people can buy things. Oh, you're getting ahead of yourself now, <laughs> man, because we want to talk about capitalism. No, I know we will. We will in this episode. But I have something else. Just that middle middlemen or women can profit beca- because of the laziness of other folks. Or yeah. you know, and and you can have stop, literally stop calling me lazy, dude. Uh, I'm lazy too. 
busyness. <laughs> four, four kids. I too can be lazy and uh, or or busy and find. I, I'd rather have someone else may, maybe sell something on my behalf, and maybe we both end up profiting, which is sure. cool. Totally. Uh, but all right, enough about that, Matt. Let's mention the beer we're having on this episode. This one is called Escape from Logger Mountain by Flying Machine Brewing. I think is there, what are they out of North Carolina? They got the North Carolina logo on there or the outline of the state, so that's how you know it's legit. <laughs> Came from that actual state. Looking forward to enjoying this one today, buddy. Yeah, no doubt. Me too. But let's move on. Let's let's ask the question, is the stock market broken? We've got a lot of ground to cover on this on this one, Matt. And really, uh, when you look at it, the stock market is the greatest uh, wealth creating machine in history and investing in the market to achieve millionaire status. Like that's, that's what people want, right? You want to become a millionaire. You want a million dollars in those retirement accounts. Well, that's become possible for such a large amount of folks in this country in particular, thanks to workplace retirement accounts and low cost index funds. Fidelity alone, one of our favorite brokerage houses, they reported that uh, about 442,000 investors have more than a million dollars in their 401ks as of last year. That's just Fidelity customers. So we, we potentially have millions of people who are millionaires in this country. And it's easier to do than, than ever before now. And it makes me think, Matt, of maybe like some of our earliest episodes of How to Money that we like to pretend uh, never happened because they weren't that great. Like I, I kind of refuse to go back and listen because I, I don't know that I could bear the weight of our ineptitude <laughs> in those early episodes. <laughs> Not ineptitude, just lack of total awesomeness. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. We've gotten better. We've they grown were, a lot in 500 episodes. They were functional. You yes. Know? It's, it's like I picture it almost like a craftsman who's uh, like a drywaller. Somebody who knows how to do drywall. Like, is that drywall up on the wall? Does it hold? Does it create a wall? Yes, to all of those things. But there's sort of an artistry to it. And oh, yeah. that's what you develop <laughs> over time. Am you I can too, tell bad drywall. Too... You see the seams. And yeah, stuff like, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. see the tape uh, protruding. Maybe I'm getting a little too poetic when it comes to <laughs> podcasting. We just sit down and talk. Yeah, <laughs> but we have gotten better at sitting down and talking. And just, I think so. Just because the path hasn't always been smooth, I mean, some episodes have been better than others. And along the way, most of our episodes hopefully have generally gotten just a little bit easier for people to listen to. Well, that doesn't mean that the whole ride hasn't been worthwhile and that those first episodes weren't necessary in part of the growth process. And right now, it just kind of makes me think like, well, we're experiencing some market turbulence and future predictions of what the stock market is going to do in coming years aren't looking so hot either. And so, I don't know, should you not take a flight maybe because there's going to be turbulence? Should you not go see your grandma because on the way, there might be some bumpy a bumpy ride in the air. No, of course, you're still going to take the airplane uh, ride in order to cut 20 hours off your trip if you're flying across the country. And so today on the show, we're going to kind of talk about how we think uh, you should be thinking about the current choppy market and then how that should also influence your, your behavior. That's right. Yeah. You're saying that the general trajectory of the stock market has been up and to the right. That's what we're talking about today. But more recently, like what you're specifically talking about here is volatility because the, the stock market has been in the dumps. You know, this has been a terrible start to investing so far in 2022. And like we often see during these bouts of volatility, a lot of investors, they start wondering if, if things are going to be different this time, right? It's been a, it's been a good hundred years. <laughs> it's been a good run, but it's all over now. And it's not just a chicken little mindset that's, that's running amok in your friend group. Uh, there are a ton of different 
financial forecasts out there that are being made about the fact that we're in for a lower performance year and, and even less stellar returns for years to come. And it's not even just the talking heads like on CNBC spouting we, this nonsense. We could dismiss them pretty easily if, <laughs> when, if need be. <laughs> exactly. The, the different investing TV shows out there. Uh, respect the companies like Fidelity, like you just mentioned, Joel, like Vanguard, uh, other large banks. They're predicting average 10-year future returns in the 3 to 4% range. And those predictions could be significantly off in, honestly, in either direction, of course. These are just educated guesses. Uh, but given the last decade of incredible returns, they, they might not be too far off. But even still, what do we do with this information today? You know, Should predictions of these subpar future returns affect how we should invest today? That's what we're discussing today on the podcast. Yeah. So you, you hinted at the fact that the last 10, 10, 12 years, Matt, have been just incredible when it comes to stock market returns. And so let's talk about that bull run for a second, because a lot of How to Money listeners, they've really only experienced what it looks like to invest in the middle of a bull run, not counting maybe like the blip we saw in 2020 when we thought it was the end of the world. But that recovery, that stock market recovery in the teeth of the beginning of COVID was just incredibly rapid. So most of us yeah. barely experienced it. Yeah, and that We worried about other things too at that exactly. time. Exactly. That that was a uh, not is the stock market broken, but is humanity broken? Yes, like exactly. At that point, there was bigger things. And once we got that under control, it's like, oh, okay, no, things are going to be fine. But right now, all the focus is more on the market because there's exactly. less societally to focus on. And when you, when you look at these returns historically, like with 20 and 28% returns over the past couple of years, and almost 19% average annual return since the Great Recession, some folks in their in their 20s and early 30s, they might have been starting to think that uh, the, the stock market literally only ever goes up, right? That you only get those peanut M&Ms <laughs> anytime you want them <laughs> like, wait, are, on are, demand. Are recessions a thing of the past? Uh, right. And no, the answer is, is that's not the case. And so, yeah, some folks started to think that cash was trash and that saving money was stupid. Investing, of course, is where it's at. And so, yeah, but we, we you and I, we like investing. We're not hating on investing. We think it's necessary when it comes to building wealth, but not to the detriment of other prudent personal finance decisions. And so folks now are starting to realize maybe some of the importance of emergency funds or savings, liquid cash. Those are important things, even though it can feel like a dumb decision, especially uh, in the short term when other people are finding ways to make money, what looks like hand over fist. And you're sitting there with that e-fund intact and you're like, why am I not investing this? Mm. Well, I think now we're experiencing the reason why people should not uh, be investing that emergency fund. Uh, there's a cushion that's necessary for folks to have. Yeah, I mean, this is why we came up with the the seven money gears, because there's a, f- a formulaic process that we want folks to go through. And it's not just about getting that cushion, but there are other important things to do as well. We definitely want folks to take that balanced approach. But yeah, you know, those outsized gains that you're talking about, they were not going to last forever. And especially uh, with the the low interest rates that we saw with the the Fed intervention, like that all helped to speed some of the growth that we've seen. And so it's important to zoom out and to take a broader look at what the stock market typically returns. Because if yeah, if you only paid attention to the past twelve or thirteen years, it can be easy to fool yourself into thinking that these outsized returns are the new normal. So lately, I uh, I've been running a good bit more. I'm trying to train for the Peachtree Road Race. That's uh, Atlanta's premier 10k available to anybody who signs up <laughs> for the most part uh, but like it makes me think of tracking you get to run with a hundred thousand of your closest friends <laughs> it's so many people <laughs> but okay imagine if you you're training or like during a race 
you're watching your time, you're, you know, you're, you're tracking your pace, you get to a, a portion of the race where there's maybe a long sort of easy downhill, you would see your pace just go off the charts. So, like you would see your, your average pace just decline significantly. Uh, and it's going to look like you're going to be able to maybe set a personal record, maybe even a PR for your age group. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but it would be foolish to just assume that you would be able to maintain that pace uh, once you started to gain elevation again. Yeah, once you instance. get to Heart Attack Hill, right? Isn't that what they call it? Uh, uh, cardiac. Cardiac. Okay. Cardiac Hill or whatever. Okay. It's like right there next to the hospital. But the same is true with the market as well. You know, we've had some incredible bursts. We've had, we've had some periods of some stretches where it just, I mean, the returns were off the charts. And while we do believe that the market will continue to go up over time, you know, it always does. That doesn't mean that the pace of that growth will stay the same. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good way of putting it, Matt, because in the middle of that race, yeah, you're feeling good about your pace, but then you hit the tougher sections and you are inevitably going to slow down. Slow down. Humans just can't run uphill as fast as they can run down. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some folks who disagree with you, but really? Oh yeah, there's there's people who who like to book it uphills. It's tough going fast downhills because I think personally, I think I'm more prone to injury because you're going a little bit faster. That's how you're, steep you're the little, hill is. You're I guess. a little you out that, of control. You want that gentle decline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's going to be the best acceleration. It's hard on the knees too. Right. Oh, that's yeah, true. Well, well, it actually that reminds me, Matt, of uh, a piece that Barry Redholtz wrote recently. He's a financial writer, and and he was discussing the fundamental reason that the market has been having a rough go of it lately. And he he uh, talked about Occam's razor, which which basically means that the simplest explanation is almost always the correct one. And he was saying that that means that, well, the simplest explanation is just what's called mean reversion. Uh, that's at the heart of recent declines. It's the fact that we have experienced these outside gains. And of course, now we're paying the price as the stock market is retreating. And it's kind of, it made me think of like a baseball player who starts off the season first month of the year. Hitting more, th- more sports. More sports. We're, we're hitting everybody with uh, all the different illustrations we can think of. <laughs> so baseball player hitting 375, but typically they're hitting 250, right? That's their normal that's average. average. right? Yeah. 250. Well, that's pretty average, I would say. I feel, ugh, I don't know, in modern baseball, though, more strikeouts, worse batting averages lately. It's, oh, really? it's a tougher sport to watch these days. Uh, yeah. But but what if it's that your first time at bat and you get a hit and you're batting a thousand? That's maybe? right. That's true. Yeah. What, what's, what's the likelihood that's going to last the whole season? Uh, <laughs> Not likely. Unless you get like some sort of season ending injury right after that hit, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, it's a nice start to the season to be hitting close to 400. But in reality, you're going to experience mean reversion, especially in those dog days of summer, even if you have a killer month in May, let's say, uh, July and August are going to come around and your batting average is going to start to dip. Start feeling that summer heat a little bit. Start sweating a little bit more than you were down there in spring training. Plus, yeah, then you're out there in Colorado where it's nice and cool. 80, 90, 100 games into the (laughs) season and you're probably starting to have some fatigue. There's just no way to continue it for a whole season. And and so, yeah, things are coming back down to earth. And the same thing is happening with the market, right? Those exorbitant returns that we've seen over the past, you know, decade, they're not the new forever reality, although I think some people were starting to think that it was. They were at least treating their money as though the stock market was this M&M candy machine that was going to continue to produce until we reached the moon status, I guess, or whatever that was going to be. I don't know. Yeah, and hopefully we're not bumming you out with this more somber conversation. Uh, but even though we are injecting you with a dose of realism, we still have plenty of reasons to believe that you should be investing in the stock market. Uh, and we're actually going to talk some specifically about what you should be doing with this new information. Uh, the fact that not only have we entered some periods of volatility, but that there is some talk about the fact that the market may not be what it used to. We'll get to all of that right after this break. Jill, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. 
getting your books together with, uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust and Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, 
Life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. All right, Matt, we're back. We're still talking about the stock market. Is it broken or is this just uh, the reality of how the stock market works? We'll talk about maybe the fundamentals of how the stock market works here in a little bit. And, and we'll also talk about whether or not folks should be making changes to their portfolio kind of based on what's happening right now and based on some of the predictions. Like you talked about those those Fidelity and Vanguard predictions where it's like, eh, growth's going to slow a good bit and, and your portfolio isn't going to, uh, you're not going to see the gains that you've been seeing. So then how do you approach That's right. that? likely near-term future. We'll discuss that in just a second. But I, I wanted to talk about optimism for a second because you know, I, I think stock market optimism is a good thing for all of us to have. And I, I myself am pretty optimistic and uh, just as an individual, but you know, I think it's also possible to take optimism to the extreme, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can be so optimistic that you're not actually looking at facts on the ground. You're not living in reality. And so there's a difference between a healthy dose of optimism and being optimistic to a point where you're living in some, some sort of Mary Poppins fantasy. Mary Poppins Returns or the original? <laughs> uh, the original probably. The new one's really good. It is good. It the, is good. The girls can't get enough of that. Evie has been uh, humming, what is the, something, music hall. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That song? yeah. I, I've only seen it once, so she, it's been a while. She will not stop humming that thing. Sorry, <laughs> I totally got distracted when you said Mary Poppins. No, it's all good. They're, but <laughs> it's adorable when they start dancing with penguins and stuff like yeah, that. But, yeah, that's true. But really, they're, you know, they're, they're not in the real world at that point. They're so, not grounded in reality. That's yeah. what we're talking about. And, and this is what I think has happened to a lot of investors in the past couple of years, maybe even some how-to-money listeners. It's uh, you know taking what is otherwise one of the greatest ways to build wealth, and, and folks have attempted to make money in ways that don't make much sense, right? That's given rise to NFTs, random crypto coins, and it is reflective of this frothy environment where sanity largely left the building. There, there's a, yep. a difference, I'd say, between that reality-based optimism that reflects what we're saying uh, are historical realities, and then this overly rosy outlook that has, I would say, has an element of greed at the heart of it, where people, they're not content <laughs> with average. And what folks want is to make money at a pace that is otherworldly, but like our old pal Warren Buffett says, it's time to get fearful when others are greedy. And we have seen greedy behavior recently. And I think we're kind of on the other side of the hill from some of that greedy behavior. We're seeing maybe some of the demise of some of those more greedy behaviors. Yeah. You know, I think it's worth pointing out too. I think one of the reasons we saw some of that greedy behavior uh, is because like, think about the amount of money that was injected into our, you know, speaking of, I keep saying injections, we're talking about injecting realism, talking about injecting stimulus funds, but like we, without li- having to lift a finger, got so much money that we weren't necessarily counting on. Yeah. A huge just, percentage of Americans. Did, yes. Yeah. It showed up in our bank accounts. And they couldn't spend it because they were home. Exactly. And so what do you do with that? You, I think you tend to make more speculative moves. Like you tend to gamble that money with a chance that it might 
might go up, especially as you've you've heard people talk about crypto for a while. Oh, what are these new NFTs? And you start taking that money, you start putting it in there. And, the and f- you see people getting rich quickly and you're like, I better jump in on that. Exactly. But like that certainly has been something that has changed. And when others out there were a little more greedy, hopefully we should have been a little more fearful. But like mm-hmm. you said, we're, we're kind of seeing the tide shifts. We're starting to see it go out. Uh, that optimism has quickly shifted to pessimism. It, it seems like, uh, speaking of CNBC, they released a survey last month and it showed that only 28% of investors think that it's currently a good time to be in stocks right now. Mm. People are just less enthusiastic about stocks because they aren't doing so hot right now. Uh, and the thing is, though, the market, it doesn't care about how you're feeling. For instance, the ridiculously short COVID blip, like you mentioned, Joel, like that's what that taught us, I, I think, because our, our collective society was at that point in time, reeling from pandemic fallout. The so market, much uncertainty. Yeah. 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 There was a lot that we didn't know, uh, but simultaneously the market was climbing rapidly. Uh, and so the current pessimistic mood, it often means that long-term investors like ourselves, I think should become even more optimistic, taking advantage of stock declines so that our investment dollars go even further. Yeah. Because the, the flip side of that Warren Buffett quote I gave Matt, he says to get fearful when others are greedy. Well, we'll be greedy when others are fearful. And so now that the tide is is, is is shifting, uh, stocks are down, who is out there buying more stocks? It's Warren Buffett is. And I think it's a, a sign that, that, that we should be too. When more people are pessimistic rather than optimistic, and c- consumer sentiment has essentially shifted in terms of how they view the stock market, it's time for us to maybe take the opposite approach, putting more of our money to work. And you know, it's also important to point out that the economy is not the stock market. There's a lot of, of talk about the risk of the Fed, you know, tipping the economy into a recession due to the need uh, to raise interest rates because of inflation. Inflation is obviously running hot, and the Fed is trying to get that under control. We talked about this actually in episode 503 when we were talking about preparing for a looming recession. A looming recession. That's right. That's right. If you recall. (laughs) (laughs) And a recession is defined as two consecutive quarters of GDP decline. But the fact is that the stock market, it doesn't necessarily decline during a recession. If you look at the past 70 years, the average return during a recession was negative 1%. And you might say, aha, so the market does go down. Gotcha. Boys, you're wrong. (laughs) Uh, But it's interesting. In reality, the returns are even worse in the lead up to a recession. So on average, the stock market returned negative 2% six months prior to a recession and negative 3% a year, 12 months prior to a recession. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you want to guess stock market returns after the recession begins, 7 to 16% between 6 and 12 months are the returns. So in the the extreme positive range after the start of a recession, it's it's amazing how the market is almost like forecasting (laughs) where the economy is going to eventually end up. They're not always going in lockstep together. Which only reinforces the fact that it's difficult, incredibly difficult, to time the market and to figure out when is the actual bottom as the market is looking ahead. Uh, But this only reinforces that Warren Buffett quote, right? Often when things look bad, that is the best time to invest, uh, which obviously, again, it seems counterintuitive. And we mentioned the, the historical reality of the stock market just a second ago. So let's talk about that for a second. The, the earnings 
of publicly traded companies as a whole continue to go up over time. Not every company progresses at the same pace. Um, and some companies are, are actually declining while others are booming. But overall, if you own a diversified basket of companies, uh, say, for instance, in a total stock market index fund or the S&P 500, you're going to see your money grow over time because uh, the average return of the market since 1928 has been 9.8% a year. And so this, this beautifully creative and simultaneously destructive machine of capitalism, it just continues its march, again, upwards and onwards, <laughs> even when world events are scary and, and when consumer confidence is low, which it is right now. Yeah, Matt, what, what you're talking about here, these returns, these historic returns are based on the underlying reality that of capitalism. And it's as these companies, these individual companies are participating in this overall system that we have, they are benefiting all of us as they create new items, as new technology comes out, it drives prices down and it drives innovation up. And in episode 479, we discussed why we feel like capitalism is, is ultimately a force for good. And if you'd ask us a question, well, is it, is it only a good thing? We would say, no, free markets, they don't fix everything. There are other problems in our society that need to be remedied other ways. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's the best economic system that we've got. And it's increased living standards and it's brought more folks out of poverty than anything else humans have tried. And so, yeah, businesses that we invest in, they're working to create value in our society. And if they find a customer base and they succeed, profit is the end result. And as investors in the stock market, we get to participate in some of those profits, which I think is the coolest thing ever. It, it kind of almost doesn't seem fair, Matt, <laughs> that we can kick back and passively invest. It, yeah, it almost it, doesn't. Use almost none of our brain energy, just use our dollars, and still see something like a 10% return over the past 100 years. But really, for the average index investor, for the lazy, uh, boring investor route like we, like we want people to take, it's quite simple, and history points to the fact that it's it's quite effective in helping us build wealth. Yeah, what's really interesting, too, is to consider how the the market, it, how it self-regulates, right? Because if you take that, imagine a situation, like a worst-case scenario, where you've got everybody has become a passive investor and nobody is innovating. Well, what's going to happen to the stock market returns? I, you could argue, you could foresee a world where you could see those returns decline, right? Because if fewer people are out there taking risks because everybody wants to play it safe and invest in the entire stock market, there is technically less value being brought into the world, which means lower returns. But it's self-regulating in this way because there are going to be individuals who say, well, I want to see a higher return. Yeah. And so they, they are then willing to risk their dollars in ways that ultimately need to provide more value and more benefit to the world in order for them to receive the benefit from that uh, direct investment. And of course, people who invest within that company, you know, within those individuals as well, will see these higher returns. I mention this because you could foresee a world where it's just like, well, if everybody becomes passive total stock market investors, well, maybe we are going to see declines in the market. But ultimately, I almost see it as like this automatic leveling system that's yeah. just inherently built into the market. There will always be people who think that they're smarter and who want bigger, better returns. Or just want to do something different. You know, yeah. like, like there will be individuals who want that autonomy and don't want to sit back because they've got something to create. They have something that they want to introduce into the world. They want to make their mark. Yeah. And so I think there will always be opportunity for us kick back style uh, passive investors because of those other folks on, on the other side of the spectrum. Exactly. It's, it's super cool when you think about it that way. Uh, but there will be carnage along the way of the stock market growth. You don't get the reward without the risk. Uh, you're not going to see that average 10% return without some subpar years. Uh, it comes with the territory. But overall, the economy will continue to grow and corporations that you can invest in will continue to earn more money. And again, some companies, they're going to stick around for decades, creating loads of profit for investors. 
podcasters, but others won't stick around for, for long or do anything terribly noteworthy. And that is one of the coolest aspects of capitalism is that it automatically self-cleanses. Uh, the market decides what companies are going to stick around and which ones get the boot. But again, the general trajectory is up and to the right. It's, it's healthy to remind ourselves that the entire value of the U.S. stock market, the entire market was $1.2 trillion back in 1982. Wow. Apple alone is worth significantly more than that right now. I think it's double that. And so we've got enough historical data in our corner to point to the reality that despite these immediate market setbacks that we're experiencing, progress will continue and we can all benefit from that progress. This is why we're optimistic. It's not because we have some sort of pie in the sky reason to think that, oh, things will always get better. We can look back at history. History informs the future. It's not guaranteed, but we can be encouraged by that fact. Yeah, it's not some sort of Pollyanna. Uh, no. Oh, yeah. hoping and wishing, or it's not like an ostrich putting our head in the sand, just kind of against all odds, wanting something to be the case. It is truly the historical reality. We have precedent, really, that we can look to telling us what the stock market is likely to do in the years ahead. And despite massive shifts to the way our country functions, we'll continue to be the greatest wealth building machine moving forward. But if you want it to be that in your life, if, if you want to be able to use the stock market to your advantage, well, there are some things you're going to need to realize. And and one of those things might be making some changes to the way that you're investing. And so we'll talk about whether the current market reality and you know future lower return predictions uh, should actually cause you to do anything different with your portfolio in the here and now. We'll get to uh, so, some of our thoughts on that right after this. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so Woo-hoo. we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty? When it can be earning extra income on your behalf, it's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. No matter how hard of a worker you are, you probably like to kick back, relax, and just chill every now and then. But if you're an investor, that's the last thing you want your money to be doing. You want it to be out there working hard and kicking butt. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Betterment's automated technology gives you advanced tools that are built to help maximize returns. We're talking tools like diversified, expert-built portfolios of low-cost ETFs, Keeping those expense ratios low is key to seeing your investments compound over the years and decades. A high-yield cash account where your money can earn 11 times the national average. Listeners know that they need to have an emergency fund set aside for those completely unforeseen expenses. A high-yield cash account is the perfect place to park that money in automated investing technology like automated rebalancing. That way, if certain industries are, say, growing like crazy, your portfolio, it stays on track. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Hey, folks, it's Matt. 
I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we're back from the break talking about investing in the market and i still have that song stuck in my head <laughs> uh do y'all not are y'all not a fan of that uh mary poppins i mean we watched mary it poppins once returns? yeah i guess we just haven't i don't know watched it again well maybe we should only cranks out the hits he does if you can invest in a person invest in him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> him i think i think you're right him and tom brady Maybe maybe they're both at the top of their game, and there's only you can only go down from here. I, I think so. I mean, Lin Manuel is one of those prolific individuals who everything he creates seems to turn to gold. He's got that Midas touch. There's Hamilton, obviously, and Kanto, another one. I mean, just really, if you get him involved in a project, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, okay. I feel like we're, we're going off track again, but we're, we're talking about <laughs> investing, and we've talked through some of these some of these trends that we're seeing here in the near term. We're talking about the overall larger trend of the stock market and what you should expect. But there are a few things that you can do differently with the information that we've talked about so far, and with the predictions that we, we truly may not see the kind of returns that we've seen over the past 12, 13 years. There are a few things that you can do differently with this information, the fact that returns may not be what they once were. And so for starters, one of these things that you can do is start socking away more money. If returns are likely to be lower, you might need to invest more of your paycheck in order to reach some of your financial goals. Uh, If that's something that is financially possible for you, ramping up the percentage that you are socking away is a solid move. We're not necessarily talking about taking extreme measures, extreme steps here, but just to keep doing what what you've been doing, but maybe just ratcheting it up a little bit. You you might want to increase that amount that you are investing. Put your foot on the pedal just a little bit harder and add a couple extra percentage points maybe to what you're putting into your 401k. Investing more in light of potentially uh, inferior returns moving forward is one great way to kind of counterbalance things and to make sure that you're going to hit those financial goals that you've got for yourself. Yeah, and, and hear what we're saying here. This is just a slight change to the behavior that you're already doing. You're yep. already going in the right direction. Just maybe 
just juice it just a little bit more. We're not telling you to pull the e-brake. <laughs> you know, we're not telling you just to throw it in reverse and totally wreck your vehicle. We're not telling you to start swerving, or we're not telling you to, to at the last second <laughs> exit off the highway, cutting a bunch of people off and potentially wrecking yourself. That is not what we want you to do That's with right. your portfolio. And we don't even need you to like pedal to the metal, right? Like you, you right. can, yep. you don't have to go from uh, saving eight percent of your paycheck to saving thirty-two percent, right? You, that's just not necessary. But in light of those you know, future uh, inferior returns, then socking more money away does make more sense. Another another course of action that you could take is to take more risks with your investments, right? This is something that that needs to be discussed, Matt. But really it's best done on a case-by-case -case scenario. It's hard for us to tell everyone that they should be uh, adding more risk to their portfolio because we've got listeners of all ages and stages, people who are in the wealth building phase of their life, people who are in the wealth preservation stage of their life, and, and there's a different tact that needs to be taken for each of those individuals depending on where they are. And I think for some people, accepting more risks, it, it makes sense if uh, if they are still in the wealth building phase of life. And mm -hmm. you know the short-term bouts of turbulence aren't going to significantly impact them. And so it's actually going to help boost their returns if they're dollar cost averaging by investing in a slightly more risky way. And what I mean by that is mostly that if you're if you have an insufficient allocation of your investment portfolio towards stocks. So ramping that up and having more exposure to the, the stock market sure. in the future could and should over the years actually help boost your returns. But but then for others, taking on more risk could impact their ability to retire, Matt. It can have a significantly negative impact if you have too much stock market exposure and you need those funds in the near term. If you have to start drawing on those funds because you're quitting work. So for instance, like my parents, they're supposed to be quitting work altogether in the next within the next nine months. And there's no way I would tell them that they should have more stock market exposure mm -hmm. at this point in, in their life. And so, yeah, you have to kind of take your own specific situation into account. More risk is helpful for some, but harmful for others. Yeah, that is a healthy way to expose yourself to more risk. Because if you're if you're in your 20s, you don't need to be in a 60-40 <laughs> portfolio where, where you've got 40% bonds. Uh, you should probably be 100% in stocks. I'm nearly 40 and I am 100% in stocks. But that can be a, a healthy approach to adding more risk to your portfolio. But you can also... You could veer off the highway and take this, you know, into into the danger zone. Some folks in search of high returns have opted for even riskier uh, asset classes like crypto, which is still a highly unproven and, and very speculative place to put your money. Some folks have seen their wealth cut in half uh, or, or even more with no real historical assurance that there is going to be a significant bounce back by any means. Uh, and, you know, can you got to ask yourself, can you stomach that sort of drawdown? Because knowing your specific timeline, knowing your tolerance for risk, is this is all going to be crucial information before you start ramping up your risk level. Uh, and for a lot of folks, the best course of action is to keep doing whatever it is that you're doing right now. Uh, even in the midst of subpar market predictions, we would not recommend for you to gamble in order to increase your return. Just stay the course. Yeah, Matt, there is a, a certain window in which taking on more risk might make sense for people. But then there is uh, the ability, you can turn the risk dial up to like 9,000. And that is what putting, let's say, everything in toward, uh, into different crypto coins would be. And and some yeah. folks have taken that approach and it has hit them right where it hurts lately because, yeah, the crypto market has been not so great. And no matter what, Matt, there are a few things that people should always pay attention to, whether we're experiencing a bull or a bear market. And if you pay attention to these few things, 
things in particular, I think people are are likely to have a good wealth building experience over the years. And it doesn't mean they won't be immune from downturns or portfolio losses, but it will mean they'll be able to stay the course mm-hmm. and they'll be able to experience the wealth generating abilities of the overall stock market uh, over the years, over the decades. And so let's talk about a few of those things. One is choosing the right funds to invest in and specifically opting for diversification. Because I will say, having a diversified portfolio has felt pretty boring over the past few years in particular. Uh, there have been a lot of people chatting about Kathy Wood and her ARK fund, ARKK, mm-hmm. which is the innovation fund. Killed it during the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, like to see some of the returns she was experiencing, the the exploding growth of some of the companies that she was betting on, it drew a lot of eyeballs, it drew a lot of media attention, and it drew a lot of investor dollars. People were excited. <laughs> they wanted to participate. They wanted to be a part of the next big investment fund. And so, yeah, uh, it's it's drawn actually some similar interest as the fund has been plummeting recently too. And it, it can just be tough though for people to watch while other people out there in the investing space are making a killing when you're just uh, hum, humming along getting basic average uh, S&P 500 level returns. And so, yeah, diversification though, it can be boring on the way up, but it's a lifesaver on the way down. Because when you look at what's happened with that ARK Innovation Fund just in the last six months, and when you look at what's happening in the overall stock market, you know what? It's a whole lot easier to stomach what's been happening in the overall stock market than it is in just a handful of those high-flying stocks. Anybody who decided to invest most of their retirement in that ARK fund is understandably freaking out right now because of the roller coaster ride they've been on. And right now, they are not sitting in a good place. And it, it, I'd be frightened uh, if I if I had my money there. And so I think that diversification point is is crucial. Finding a fund that's that's highly diversified that gives you a wide exposure to the overall stock market is is important, so that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket or just a few baskets. That's right. Yeah. So regardless of what the market's doing, pay attention to the the choice of funds that you're putting your money in. Uh, and a part of that uh, a part of that fund choice is paying attention to the all important expense ratio as well. We, we don't want you to pay more when you don't need to, uh, because these fees will eat into your returns, especially the longer you plan to continue investing those dollars. Uh, you want to make sure that you aren't kneecapping yourself and experiencing poor returns due to a poor choice of funds. And so if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that we love Vanguard. Uh, we love Fidelity and Schwab. Those are the discount brokerages who offer the diversified total market style funds that we love with microscopic to virtually non-existent fees when we're talking hundreds of a percentage point uh, when it comes to what they're charging you. That's what we want to see. Either that or nothing at all. Yeah, man, I see those higher fees as like insult to injury, especially when that fee-laden fund is underperforming those broader market, super cheap index funds that, that you and I love. It's quite literally kicking you while you're down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And so let's say you are invested in a way that aligns with your own specific risk tolerance. Well, an important step to take when it comes to staying the course is to insulate yourself from the feeling of pain when the market is not doing so hot. Not by avoiding market participation, not by not investing, but by not looking at what's going on with your portfolio. Right, right. That, that is a mistake I think people people make is that they're, they pay too much attention. Because once you kind of have your strategy down, once you know your risk tolerance, and once you have started stocking money in every two weeks, like clockwork on, on the reg, 
well, who cares what's happening? You're going to want to continue to ride it out through thick and through thin. And so what you might need to do is to one, yeah, not look at your portfolio performance, especially, especially in times of turbulence and also avoid the headlines. So don't log into your account and kind of see that you're down 6% on the week or 15% on the year, right? Those, those inputs and, and seeing them firsthand can trigger an emotional reaction leading to potentially a knee-jerk reaction uh, on your part, selling maybe at the wrong time, locking in losses. And yeah, this costs you money and it negatively impacts your financial future, especially if you're moving money that is in the market while it's down into cash, you're doing the exact opposite thing. <laughs> we want to see yeah. you. Uh, we want to see you actually funneling more of your cash from the sidelines into the market to take advantage of basically the sale that's happening in the market uh, at the current moment. And so, but it's really important to kind of have a couple of mechanisms in place that prevent you from doing something that's emotionally charged that could that could ultimately uh, affect your future wealth by thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's important to remember that these, these temporary market downturns they're not costing you anything unless you sell. Once you sell, you cement those losses. Uh, and so in the game of investing, it's important to think and act for the long term. And you do that by reminding yourself why it is that you're investing in the first place. And, and for most of us, it isn't to get filthy rich. That's not it's not our goal. It sounds nice, but it's not our goal, right? Not many of us need or, or want tens of millions of dollars in assets. Instead, we'd rather get to a point of financial security and then hopefully to be able to achieve financial independence in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, and so when you remember why it is that you're investing, chasing these returns, it seems less important all of a sudden. Uh, it's why it's so important to keep your timeline in mind, right? Going back to like the running uh, analogy, if you know, it's, it's difficult to know how fast you should be running if you don't know if you're running for 100 meters or if you're running a 10K, right? And so that's going to have a massive impact on the pace at which you're expecting to run. And so the same thing is true when it comes to the rate at which you expect to see returns within your portfolio. Yeah, I like that, Matt. If you remember that you're investing for future retirement, that you're still 30 years away from the 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 desire or the 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 feeling you have, like I need to double my money by investing in some sort of speculative asset uh, within the next three to six months. Well, that kind of goes away because you're like, that's not the game I'm playing. Like, why am I why am I even trying for that? Really, all I want is financial independence 20 years down the road. And so you can kind of like chillax and let other people, you know, do their crazy gambling thing, all that get. Uh, take part in all that speculation. You don't have to do it because you're not playing that game. And then ultimately what we would say when it comes to the stock market is, is there's no better alternative when you're looking to grow wealth over the long haul. Again, if you're in the wealth building phase of your life, the stock market is where you're going to want to be stashing dough despite the volatility and the lackluster future predictions. You know, if you hadn't noticed, even with recent upticks in what savings accounts are paying, uh, rates on money you're stashing away with your bank they still suck. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be saving. You should. Like, we're still fans of people having liquid cash, like we talked about earlier in the episode. It just means that you need market exposure to grow your nest egg because if you're just saving, you're not going to see your returns compound in any meaningful way. And so, yeah, while the next few months and potentially even the next few years might see uh, smaller insignificant returns, it's still smart to bet on American ingenuity and to invest your money in our collective future, I would say, in order to grow your wealth for, for your future. Really, when you're looking at uh, alternatives, there aren't many <laughs> that rival the wealth building potential of the U.S. stock market. 
That's right, man. That's where we're putting our money in the stock market, uh, as well as into the coffers of wonderful craft breweries, including <laughs> those of Flying Machine. Uh, this is Escape from Lager Mountain. This is a dry hopped rice lager with a couple of hops here that they're uh, calling out. And I noticed here, too, that this is a beer out of Wilmington. There are a lot of great breweries in Wilmington, not, not, not just in North Carolina in general, but I mean, specifically Wilmington. They must have. Like really good beer laws up there <laughs> in, North, in North Carolina to incentivize all of this great brewing. But uh, what, yeah, what were your thoughts on this specific beer? Okay. I will say I haven't had many rice lagers. I haven't either. And and I thought it was really tasty. It, it Maybe I should have more rice lagers because this one was- Especially this time of year. Right. Mm. It was nice and light, but it also had those refreshing hop vibes. Like you could tell the dry hops gave like nice hop aroma and good hop flavor without being overpowering. And so this was, yeah, this was a great beer. I was a big fan. Yeah. So from what I understand, when it comes to beers that are brewed with rice, it's it works as like a clarifying agent. And so it, it literally makes it taste clean cleaner, like cleaner and fresher, which is great when hmm. you're enjoying a nice cold lager like this. But it also literally makes it clearer when you're looking at it. And so it, it tends to pour a bit clearer as a, you know, compared to like a hazy pale ale or, or, or something like that. But uh, the flying machine and the fact that they have the skull in here, it, this reminds me a lot of, uh, is it Parrish that has the, like the ghost in the machine? Oh uh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, there's a lot of crossover. It's a good New Orleans brewery right there. It's also a, a great brewery. But we definitely enjoyed this one, again, from Flying Machine out of Wilmington, North Carolina. So if you're able to pick one of these up wherever it is that you live, we highly recommend it, especially as an alternative to those macro lagers out there that you can buy. Yeah, this is one of those well-crafted lagers. They're, oh, yeah. The, the macro ones. Like, it's amazing how big of a difference there are between a lot of the, the new craft lagers that are being made. This one has a ton of different flavor profile action going on. It's delicious, and it's clean, like you said, and versus like the muddled, just kind of like not so, not so great flavors. Stinky lagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the stinky ones that like you smell like your uncle, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you know which uncle we're talking about. Exactly, too. exactly. Uh, Everyone's got one. <laughs> and plus, the label on this beer is, is really beautiful as yeah, well. You can find a picture of it up on our website at howtomoney.com, along with any uh, resources that we may have mentioned during this episode. That's right. And so, uh, if you if you haven't signed up for the How to Money newsletter, by the way, you totally should go to howtomoney.com/slash newsletter. We are sending it out for free once a week into your inbox. Uh, every single Tuesday morning, you'll get some of the best financial nuggets that we have to offer in your inbox. But Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. 
It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey, it's Matt here for Health Aid Kombucha. This bubbly probiotic tea blended with real fruit juice is deliciously thirst-quenching and great for your gut health. Health Aid Kombucha comes in many flavors like Pink Lady Apple, Passion Fruit Tangerine, and Ginger Lemon, which is one of my favorites since it has that extra ginger kick. I'm a big fan, though the kids prefer the, the mango lemonade. It's organic, it's non-GMO, and a great alternative to sodas and other sugary drinks. Just look for the brown bottle with an anchor in your local stores. Give it a try today. Make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.